He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Stop. Kids aren't stupid. They know how it works. Sorry, Santa. Hot Cupid! Hot Comet! Hey, check it out! Give me the camera! It's Santa Claus! Live and in person. One night only. You don't look like Santa Claus. Well, billboards add 80 pounds. Christmas is in trouble. Imagine if we all work together. I have seen a lot of strange things, but this... Wait till you see what happens next. If you ever meet Mrs. Claus, maybe just skip this part. All want to go on the naughty list? Mm -hmm. All right, let's get back to work. Welcome back to the long, I think this is the most anticipated stocking stuffer of 2018 because this is the highest profile film, uh, probably the most expensive film, and so far from early reports, the most successful and most watched film. And I couldn't cover a film like this on my own. I needed a guest star. I needed to go across the Atlantic Ocean to get the very best, very Britishest guest star I could find, and I found him in, in the one and only Elwood Jones. Welcome, Elwood. To well, the thank you critique. very much, Emily. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to have you. You have been a longtime uh, blogging pal and podcasting partner. We had you on the show, if everybody remembers, back to the Stepford Wives and uh, Dark City episode we did what was that two years ago it's been a while i mean yeah. it's i mean it's been a while since we recorded last which is always why she makes it all the nicer now we're here again to sit down and and talk about this and it's kind of typical that whenever i get invited onto a christmas show despite the fact that i'm kind of like the old christmas guy and like where it comes christmas was around it's like always like the old christmas movies like Sunday night deadly night christmas evil <laughs> and krampus that's sort of like my jam and like every time i get invited on a christmas podcast like i did ticklish business with christian and it's like let's watch meet me in st louis and that was delightful <laughs> and now i'm here on stuck in stuffers talking about the christmas chronicles which the is christmas also chronicles. delightful but you know the christmas chronicles of if it's, you have to put it in context with the other movies that we've that i've done for stocking mm. stuffers and this is easily the most genre of any of the movies i've covered Oh, yeah, definitely. So it's kind of appropriate uh, that I have you here for that. I think as soon as this one got announced, the fact it was a Kurt Russell Christmas movie, I think right. it got a lot of people in a certain certain, uh, certain groups very excited. I think just the fact, the mere mention of Kurt Russell got them got them all riled up. I don't, the fact it was a Christmas movie was just beside the point. But, um, yeah, it's Kurt Russell playing Santa, which is something we've never seen before. <laughs> 
What's kind of um, cool about it, just in terms of concept, and this did do very well. Like Netflix does not release it, most of its data, but they did kind of announce that. I forget the number. It was something where if you uh, read on like Variety or somewhere where they did a mathematical sort of translation and the amount of downloads or watches that Netflix reported was the equivalent of like a $250 million opening weekend for a movie if you went by like ticket sales to watches. So it got a huge response. And I think the part of the reason is that Netflix, by, by casting Kurt Russell in one of these movies, they found that perfect way to get the, you know, these are typically aimed at women. So now you have that, but you have A, the women that are like, ooh, Kurt Russell. But I think more importantly, you had then maybe... Uh, women who watched it faster because they were able to convince maybe their male partners to watch it more so than a lot of the other movies where they'd get to it eventually. Whereas this, it was, I think, it was just funny to see, you know, obviously on Facebook, I have, you know, the feminine critique, we're constantly posting about this, but to see on a a movie group that you and I, I believe are both in, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, which is, you know, a very more weighted towards men than women and how many people there were posting about this movie it you know was one of those kind of genre crossovers in a way oh yeah definitely the gen- the gentleman's guide i mean it though obviously i don't want to say there aren't female moments it's just it's a majority of guys there who like genre cinema they like uh action and horror and cult right, and right. foreign cinema they're very sort of specific they're kind of like uh the opposite end of like the art house crowd who've got their sort of like a group and then you've got like all the oddballs who who are in the gentleman's guide and yeah i think the certain actors and the certain uh words that sort of trigger them and kurt russell was certainly because obviously he's got that 80s movies action movie connection mm-hmm. and as soon as they as i said as soon as they mentioned this movie i think a lot of people were like oh kurt russell in an action movie it's gonna be like the night the reindeer died from the beginning of screws we're right, gonna right. see him like defending the north pole but no it's it's a cozy cardigan christmas movie yeah it is yeah uh Um, one really aimed i won't say that it's aimed i mean it's it's almost a kids movie the stars are children it is centered on kids which is also something different this is the first film i think really i'm covering this year and probably the only one where it is uh you know kids not grown women which is what the majority of these movies are. But, I mean, this is really kind of an offshoot or sort of parallel to the cozy cardigan Hallmark genre. Uh, which you And you had these movies for a long time before you had the career woman learning the true meaning of Christmas. You had for a while at Hallmark and so on family movies that were usually centered on kids learning something and Christmas had to do with it. So it's kind of like this neat little throwback uh, that does still, and we'll go into the tropes and see if this fits it, it fits a lot of them. Uh, it's still in the formula, except for the main thing being it's not centered on a woman who needs to learn to fall in love and give up her job for Christmas, basically. No, this is definitely a very much a, a family movie, and it's very much in like the trope of like, Jingle All the Way and mm-hmm. uh, the Santa Claus, and the fact that you know it's just a very wholesome Christmas movie, and you obviously have the non-believer who learns what the true spirit of Christmas is while being involved, um, in being either playing a Santa-style character or joining in some sort of wish fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, which is obviously what we get with the the brother who's the non-believer and who's obviously got the younger sister who's like the true believer. 
Yeah, so let's go into just kind of a quick synopsis of the movie to set it up. So, The Christmas Chronicles, uh, we are really, you know, following a brother and a sister. So, Teddy is kind of a, he's 16 or so, and his younger sister, Kate. And Kate is pure believer, 10 years old, but still believes in Santa Claus. Uh, Teddy is starting to go down a bad path, and the reason is because they have lost their dad, was a fireman, and he died the year before, so now it's their first Christmas without him. Their single mom uh, is all sad, uh, but through... How exactly does it happen that they end up having... They end up... Let's. And we should be clear. It's not that these kids save Christmas. It's that they almost destroy it, and then they have to fix it. Yeah. They, these kids are an absolute nightmare to the whole process. I mean, in fact, it's Santa's here. He's doing his own thing and kind of like a way to to bring the, the brother and sister together. They have it so that uh, we got Teddy, also known as Teddy Bear, and his <laughs> sister Katie, also known as Katie Cat, because they went all out on these nicknames. Uh, they decide they're going to stay up and they're going to prove the existence of Santa. So they hang out and they gather this staggering amount of junk food. Um, yeah, to... it's, it's, it's they basically bought out a soup. Half of the budget went to buying the food for this one scene where they eat ice cream. And uh, yeah, they basically see Santa come down, and Kate's basically got a hello video camera, and she's there trying to get these these shots of like the reindeer and all the rest of this. And she accidentally, they both get onto Santa's sleigh, and in some bizarre circumstance they basically end up uh crash landing in chicago with santa the reindeer go one direction the sack goes somewhere mm-hmm. else and the magic hat somewhere else and uh now basically they have to work with santa who is not just not like your jolly fat man he's sort <laughs> of like a wisecracking no he's a wisecracking action hero santa in the form of kate russell the av who... club uh had the best review of this movie they referred to him as you're finally a dilf santa because i mean he's hot kurt russell is a hot man he is aging beautifully and this movie lets him be very sexy as sexy as santa claus can be i don't know what it is with kurt russell he just seemingly stopped aging there's um yeah there's another hollywood actor who seems to be uh the same and i can't remember his name he plays um the evil apprentice in uh hellraiser 4 bloodlines and he's in uh the secret life of walter missy and Oh, I wish it. And he was in that Netflix movie uh, with the demon child. I like that. Our our point of reference is um, Hellraiser for Bruce Ramsey. I Uh, think it might be Bruce Ramsey. I will. I will have to uh, look up. But yeah, but some reason Kurt Russell, he sort of hit uh, that ripe age and then just like stopped aging, and now all he does is can like find new ways to pursue his facial hair fetish because. (laughs) This, he seems to be in a real period for facial hair because we obviously have here, we have Full Beard, we had the Walrus Man in Hateful Eight and uh, Tombstone. We've obviously had um, Bone Tomahawk. He just seems to be constantly sporting ever more impressive facial hair every time we see him now. Well, I mean, I guess but, it's one of those things like the way when Marlon Brando got old, he just said like, yeah, I'm never going to learn my lines. I'm just going to wear a hearing aid in every movie and you can read them to me. Where Kurt Russell's yeah. like, I'm going to pick a movie based on what kind of facial hair I want. Because I'm Kurt Russell. And I can really, I have my choice. I don't really need money. I don't really need fame mm. anymore. I just want to I just want to do something that's going to let me grow my beard out. I respect and, that. And uh, I kind of see why he took 
this role because I mean it's sort of like he's obviously got kids and obviously he's going to mm-hmm. be a grandpa at some point. It's sort of like when the grandkids like want to say, "Oh, you were an actor, Uncle uh, Grandpa." <laughs> what can we Kat. watch? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me see. Uh, um, Tango no, and Crash. No, um, no, not that one. Overboard. No, Crazy Gender Politics. No. So yeah, that's a very good point. So he does a movie that he's you know can show to kids, and he also gets to have and bless his heart, he has so much fun in this movie, and he. You know, who knows if this was written specifically for him. The fact that you have Kurt Russell getting to do an Elvis Presley impersonation in a prison and to have a full-out song makes me think, like, okay, well, that was obviously done because you had Kurt Russell there. But, like, it's just a beautiful thing that this guy did not have to try so hard in this movie, and he gives it his all. I respect that. Undoubtedly so. I think Kurt Russell is, like, the key element to why this movie is so enjoyable because... He's not like dumbing it down. He's not phoning it in. He's nope. like going full smaltzy mm-hmm. comedy Kurt Russell here. And I think because of his commitment, everyone else sort of like gets raised up a level just being yeah. in the aura of Kurt Russell. And it's very similar to Jungle in the way in the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger is committing to comedy, <laughs> even if it's like like a bear doing comedy. Um, <laughs> and with Jingle, I mean, Jingle Way is funny because they're basically doing Arnold's action hero persona but he's put in everyday situations yeah um and i think this is the thing as i said because kurt russell's just you know he's having fun he's not saying oh i'm just doing a little netflix movie and um that's why this movie works he's just the real heart of this movie so so you enjoyed this movie then I think so, if it's not been sort of given away at this Oh, early. yeah, no, because we, you know, we can sometimes talk about it at the end, sometimes we talk about it at the beginning. But, yeah, that was a genuine question I had. I had a, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, I was certainly surprised. Yeah, I had more fun than I thought. Because as much as I saw people talking about this and saying things like, oh, it's better than most of these Christmas movies that come out this time of year, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, that doesn't apply to me because I have such a different frame of reference and grading for these movies that I yeah. can't, almost can't take anybody's opinion on them. But I was surprised by it's, it is genuinely funny at points. Um, there, I mean, I did chuckle out loud and shockingly, and maybe this just happened to hit me at a certain time when I got really busy where I was like actually emotionally open, but I found it kind of touching. And towards the end, I found, that as much as the kids are the are less interesting than Kurt Russell as Santa Claus, uh, their little arc and their kind of resolution touched me. Definitely, so they're not they're not overly smutty and, um, and irritating, which is always the problem you have with kids' these movies. Yes, it's yes. sort of like they're so saturated sweet. It's sort of like no children yeah, are like this. Child, as I have in my notes, typically. And. I mean, even the even the like the little girl, true believer, they don't push it too much of her. And I think the fact we get because they go off in different directions. She over, uh, yeah. at one point they go off on their three different paths. Um, Santa's obviously, as you said, he's doing white boy blues in the jail with the <laughs> E Street Band. Yes. <laughs> Why like, there? Is that there? Steve Van Zandt in a Netflix Christmas movie? Yes, it is Steve Van Zandt in a Netflix Christmas movie. And um, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, Bruce Springsteen's off doing his thing so oh i have a theory what if what if bruce springsteen was mad because he wasn't asked to play this part because he totally could have also been santa oh god we've all heard the uh the story especially over here it's sort of like when 9-11 happened he released that album shortly after and apparently someone was driving past his car and it's like we need you bruce and he just like dashed off to a recording (laughs) studio yeah and he's like deep deep down really hurt that netflix didn't say we need you bruce (laughs) 
They were like, no, we, we got okay. We're, we're good, yeah, man. Yeah, no, we're, we're okay. We, I mean, we didn't think he'd accept, but he did. So, no, we're okay. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, I mean, even a stupid scene like that somehow works. And, I mean, it, and it's not just, like, a small musical machine. And these, like, full-on lights, the weird drunks suddenly have, like, instruments to become, like, master musicians. And oh, yeah. the ladies of the night become pitch-perfect backup singers. And, uh, yeah, it's somehow we... We're, at this point in the movie, we just accept whatever's been in front of us because we're so charmed by this this film. And yeah. uh, it's fun. I, I mean, the CGI looks terrible. Um, some of the uh, kind of feel, you know, this isn't a brilliantly filmed movie, but it is. Everybody is cast well, and everybody is bringing it. And there's some really fun random cameos or random I mean there's one big exciting cameo at the very end that I I don't want to spoil but you can kind of guess as soon as you like see who the character is you're like did they get and the answer is yes (laughs) and that's exciting um but you have I don't know the actress's name but uh she's on crazy ex-girlfriend uh she's in this movie she's oh Vela uh yeah Vela Lovell she plays the hostess um she's on that when Santa goes into the bar, when he, she kind of helps him out, like she's really funny and she's really funny on Crazy Ex-Girlfriends. And so to see her in this, I'm like, oh, yeah. So are they going to let her do something? Oh, yeah. They let her be kind of funny. Great. Um, so it's just like solid. I don't know. It's So the weird thing for me is that it's so much longer than most of these movies because it's about an hour 45, I think. And I am so used to now watching these movies and they're 90 minutes on the dot because they're made for TV and they're made with that commercial break built in. And so for this one, I will say it felt long, but it might just be because comparatively, I've just watched eight movies that were the exact same length. It's, I mean, obviously being a Netflix movie, they get a lot more sort of freedom to do what they need to do with it. Very much. I think in many ways this has kind of filled the gap because WWE didn't produce a Christmas movie this year. I guess they uh, did Which is very yeah. surprising. That's disappointing because I, too. I think The Miz was busy doing The Marine 27 or whatever <laughs> it was. Come on, Christmas uh, Bounty 2, bring it. Well, he also did Santa's, uh, Santa's Little Helper yeah, as well. Yeah, they did that elf one about a year or two ago. Um, which was also pretty small team, kind of similar to this one. And um, and they did Jingle the Way 2 as well. But. It's uh yeah, it was surprising they didn't do a Christmas movie. And I think in many ways this filled that that void. It's sure. uh the right kind of smolts right. and and the right kind of silliness for it. And the I mean, yes, the runtime I think was a little overblown and I was like trying to go through where you can sort of cut things, but when it sort of slowed down they would introduce like a new element into mm. it, such as like, Oh, we're gonna have Santa and the uh, boy go on a car chase through the streets That's of the Chicago. Thing I, which I mean is pretty awesome. Cause, and it's also they're in a Dodge Challenger, which I feel like exactly. has got to be a reference, right? Because that's the car they use in um what what is the name of that Death Proof. I'm like I can't oh, remember Death the name Proof. of that movie. Um so I wonder if that, uh, yeah, Car from Vanishing Point. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's a different model, a different make and model, yeah. but it is they refer to it as a Dodge Challenger. So I have to think like, oh no, I think that was a reference there. Uh and it's um yeah, it's it I think the where it goes on too long, it's like individual sequences I think go on too long. So like the sleigh scene where it's them where they basically fuck up Christmas, it's just like probably like three minutes of crazy CGI hijinks in a sleigh. And, you know, the, I mean, the car chase goes on, the chasing the reindeer scene. Like, I feel like it's all the kind of individual scenes that probably could have been shaved to be tighter. 
But again, this movie isn't beholden to a running length, where I guess it's just not as important. But sequence-wise, like, there's no scene that I would cut, per se. No, and I really, again, I just really liked how they used the character Santa and, and his particular mission. It's sort of like, because when if you include Santa and the real world, it gets a little sort of tricky when you start right, looking at Right, because it makes no logical eyes. sense when you really think about it. Um, yeah, so everyone doesn't buy anything, so they just wait for Santa right, to bring them. Right, like, it, so my mom, like, what, how, did, how do parents work with Santa Claus? That's what I never understood in these movies, but... And, uh, I mean, this, again, doesn't give you any answer, but it does... Uh, reassure you that the fact that if Santa doesn't deliver all the presents on Christmas Eve, then Christmas spirits were gone and bad things are going to happen, like the Dark Ages right, or World right. War One and Two. Yes, or Trump that being there elected. are real-world um, consequences to Santa Claus delivering gifts. Yeah, I was so surprised they didn't put a Trump dig in this. I was too, because they do have like this one annoying thing. That I'm so over, but I, because every movie uses it now as like a cheap joke and every TV show does too, which is at one point a character says fake news. And it's just such an easy, like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And I was surprised they didn't throw that into, of like, yeah, and I didn't deliver my gifts uh, in 2016, 2015 either, but uh, they don't go there. Probably because they're still aiming for a pretty, pretty broad audience and you want to avoid alienating, you know, 23% of the United States, if nothing else, so. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that was obviously, uh, fun. And I think once the one, the thing that surprised me is the fact that right from the start, we don't have an obvious bad guy character. We don't. You have yeah. like the antagonist, you have like the, the miser or. Sure. Or the Ebenezer Scrooge or the Phineas T. Prune or whoever it's going to be. But you're right. There is no villain. It's just time, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, so there's time and we obviously do get the, the, the thieves who are running Yes, yeah, so we do get like the adventures and babysitting like uh, gang who only they're a little more murderous, I think. <laughs> Just a bit. I was I bit. was very surprised the yeah. direction that how dark they went with this gang. Um, at the same point, the same can also be said for the elves. Oh my god, these fucking elves! Just delightful. Yeah, so these little crazy CGI elves, which. I, I I couldn't figure out where I stood on them at first because I'm like, oh, they're kind of they're kind of ugly. They're kind of very very CGI. Like they didn't they weren't that charming to me. But then they start doing shit and they're awesome. They're kind of like gremlins. Yeah, um, they're like across like, gremlins and Lilliputians, I guess. That's the thing. It's they're like Mogwai Lilliputians, and uh, basically they're all psychotic apparently because they waste no timing. Bringing out weapons and one yeah, like, a chainsaw. They'll do their job. Cool. They'll make toys. They'll keep Christmas in order. But as soon as you give them the okay to uh, physically impart violence on someone, they are all up for it. And they are like hoarding chainsaws at the at the <laughs> drop of a Santa hat. And uh, again, this I mean, this makes perfect sense if you cast Kurt Russell because obviously these are Kurt Russell elves. Exactly. These aren't just like the normal elves. And right, I think. Right. The fact that they're not using, like, kids or little people um, was also refreshing. I couldn't tell if it's because of the budget or the fact that they're now frowning on casting little people as elves and dwarves mm-hmm. in these fancy roles, which I think must be a real kick in the teeth if you're a, a, an actor of short stature. For the longest time, this it is, was always, yeah, kind of a surefire uh, yeah, job. Yeah, this is you your, your moneymaker. And yeah. some tall person has said, no, this isn't politically correct. Right, right. Oh, Damn it, I still gotta pay my rent. Yeah. Um, 
But at the same time, I really love these these elves. These elves are so full of character. They are awesome. Yeah. And that's what surprised me when you said, "Oh, this is pretty crappy CGI." Because I really, I never thought that all the time. Watching, I thought, "Well, this is pretty decent CGI." Well, it, they um, grew on me. Once, like the more you saw them, oddly enough, the more personality they had, and the more I was, I was into them. At first, I was not crazy. I was just like, "Oh, they're kind of ugly," and but no, 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 yeah. they they grow on you, and then <laughs> they're fucking awesome. And um, they've all and they've all got their own little individual personalities, which are all pretty like always. Like you know, you've got the fat one, you've got the leader, and you've yep. got the cute little one, and all the rest of that. But they, um, yeah, watching them, <laughs> watching them just bring out a chainsaw, we're just awesome. like the absolute highlight uh, for me. And I was like, oh my god, this is like gone from being a questionable Christmas dream for myself to just being like the perfect for dream exactly, for myself. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so let's go uh, through the tropes to see if it does still fit, because I think it fits most of them. Um, so generally, when we're doing these and we're dealing with, you know, lifetime hallmark freeform, uh, number one, the lead need of a lesson is usually a woman who needs to learn, you know, to let love in her heart. In this case, our leads do need to learn a lesson, do they not? Yes, they need to learn the true spirit of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true of both, you know, Katie, who's... Uh, a little more open to Christmas, but still needs to like learn how to be close to her brother again. And Teddy, who actually, and I like this actor, um, Judah Lewis. He was the kid in the babysitter, and I th- I like him. I thought he was actually in a bratty teenager role, which can be really insufferable if cast wrong or if yeah. just not handled well. I thought this kid actually did a really good job. Agree? Disagree? <laughs> Yes, I think um, I totally agree that they they both did uh, did a good job here. I didn't I didn't hate them, so yes. they've got that going. Which for is them. important in a movie with kids. Um, number two, the setting, which is usually a big bad city, charming small town, or magical winter wonderland. In this case, we actually get two because we get big bad Chicago, uh, yeah. which and you not only do you get Chicago, you get Chris Columbus produced Chicago. So, like, you get I, what I guess. I mean, I think they did film in Chicago, although I think they also filmed elsewhere. Um, so I think you do have some, like, real landmarks or streets or CGI-created streets. Uh, but then you get a winter wonderland in a weird, surrealistic way that I kind of dug, which is Santa's sack of toys. Which I've always wondered, how can he fit all these toys in just a one bag? But you find out it's actually, like, a portal to the North Pole? Right. Yeah, it's like a Alice in Wonderland style portal that yeah. goes between one location and the other, and the elves basically toss stuff up right. um, as it's needed. And he's got his magic book that tells him exactly who they, whose house they're going to next. And uh, it kind Santa's of reminded me. Did you ever play Sonic the Hedgehog two on Genesis? Yes, of course. Do you remember the bonus rounds? Where you were just Sonic was like floating in this sort of like candy colored thing, and you're just trying to get points, but then you can't like fall through something. Yeah, Don't yeah. Remember that? Maybe that was Sonic One. Either way, that's exactly what um like it was like when uh, Katie is floating through Magic Bagland. <laughs> Visually, I think that was their reference. I would have loved it if they had the same music. Well, the music to me on this movie. The score to me was so reminiscent of Edward Scissorhands. All whenever they were doing whimsical, whenever like that scene when she's floating through this sort of whimsy area, yeah, it always felt to me like, ooh, somebody's really ripping off Danny Elfman here. 
it it certainly has, has that uh, whimsiness that, to it. Um, <laughs> although it's, I mean, the Chicago we see here is very warm. I have to say, it's not really convincing as being. <laughs> yeah, like she's wearing gloves, but they seem to take their gloves off pretty quickly, and nobody's really wearing a coat. And yeah. Uh, so number three is a bland love interest, which we don't have in this case because we don't have a romance. But number four... Um, I just kind of disagree because really? we obviously have the police officer whose oh, ex-wife, right. um, Santa's on this single-minded mission to get uh, get this the police officer back with his ex-wife. He's just like constantly, you know, call her. And this is his way of convincing her, him that he's Santa Claus. Um, I, he's I, sort of like, yeah, I kind of liked this. So... This was a movie that had, when you really look at it, had a lot. And again, I'm realizing I'm saying this having been, having watched these really cheaply made TV movies, but you have so many characters in this movie. Like you have so many minor characters who actually have arcs and this police officer is one of them. And, um, I don't know why this police officer is so determined. Everyone else is sort of like, so quick to buy into the fact that this guy's Yeah, no, this guy's fucking Santa Claus. And um, and I mean, again, this this Santa is able to speak multiple languages, which is is Makes great. Cause it clarifies that issue. Yep. And um, I love the scene where he's in the bar and he's trying to find someone to give him a lift because he's got <laughs> no reindeer. And he's speaking to you know he's speaking to the Chinese couple in Chinese, and he speaks to uh, the uh, the Pakistani couple in in uh, Hindu. And um, the guy goes, "I'm speaking American, asshole." <laughs> Which you really, like, have to wonder, yeah, why didn't Santa know that? Right? Shouldn't Santa, like, know everybody's preferences and everything? But, I I said we all make mistakes. I guess, I guess. (laughs) So you're right, there is a bit of a romance that, you know, we we know it ends happy, which is, is, again, kind of like a cute little thing. Yeah. Uh, The montage, we do get at least one montage, which is the booby-trapping the house to catch Santa Claus montage. And it gets bonus points because it's done to the Nutcracker Suite. So public domain music plus um, montage. And then a lot of ice cream. So. Yeah. Uh, and number five, we get in the very first scene, which is dead parents. We do. It's very subtly used. It's sort of the father's, father's there and then he's not there. And it's not like this big uh, sort of overblown scene where the, you know, you've know got the kids at the funeral. That is just like, you know, it's the next Christmas and the father's noticeably absent and uh it's obviously had this effect on on the family where the the boy's off the rails now he's Mm. off as i said he's stealing cars and stuff and the sister is trying to have the connection there um but it's as i said it's not like the the saturine sort of connection it's all oh if you just believe in the spirit Mm. of christmas it's like no he's no you know i i want to skateboard so i can go and skateboard with you and um there's a certain kind of like realness and not as much as like oh dead dad so of course it's kind of you know for me i it's a check box on my list at the same time well you know the dad died like it does have an effect that is believable on this family right mom is sad not just because her husband's dead and she's working a lot but because she now sees her kids have this terrible relationship with each other and it's it's believable i think in the context we see it in uh, it also gets bonus points because mom is played by Kimberly Williams Paisley, who is not only somebody that does a lot of these movies. She's in she was in um, the Hallmark Hall of Fame Christmas movie last year, The Christmas Train. More importantly, 
Kimberly Paisley Williams, or Kimberly Williams Paisley, whatever her name is, um, played the dying mom in the Hallmark film version of The Christmas Shoes. Okay. Do you, <laughs> I'm going to take you know, away for that one. Do you know the song, The Christmas Shoes? I don't know the song, <gasps> The Christmas Shoes. Oh my god, is it not popular over in England? No. Oh, yes, yes. So I oh, want to buy these shoes. Yeah, because um, Padre Nostal just a bit on it. It's Christmas and these shoes are just... It's the worst Christmas song of all time, and I love it because it's so terrible. uh, Is Christmas shoes the one where the kid wants to buy the shoes to the mom who's, like, dying of of cancer and she wants to wear nice shoes in case she's... please? Daddy says there's not much time. She's been ill for quite a while. I know these shoes will make her smile. I want her to look beautiful when mama meets Jesus tonight. Like, they know she's dying on Christmas Eve, so he has to get her shoes. I only um, know the Patton Oswalt. Uh, yes. That's how oh, I know yes, of it. That's, but... that's exactly. Um, so, but she played the mom. Hallmark did a film version of it. Hallmark did three. They did like a sequel and then another Jesus sequel. Christ. And um, the, uh, but by, so she is the original mom in that. So it's bonus points there. Because I just, I, I mainly know her from being in Father the Bride. Yes. Um, that was that was basically why I knew her. And again, she didn't seem to have aced at all in the meantime, so good for her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, she's working. And she has, she's, she is. She's a working mum. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, she's not like, a, you know, some saintly sort of figure. You know, she's just there during the night shift at the hospital and, you know, trying to keep the family together and, and give them a nice Christmas. And her one sort of wish is just that the house looks nice when she comes home and that the kids get on. Yeah. And that's the other thing uh, with this film. I mean, the fact is that the wishes that they have is often just for, like, really simple things, like they want uh, an ex-partner to come back or that they just want, um, you know, to know their father loves them or some some real simple sort of, like, wholesome things, which is really cool. Yeah, it's kind of sweet in the end. Um, Our sassy sidekick, we don't really have an official one because, you know, are the kids the sidekick? Is Santa Claus the sidekick in this case? Everyone's pretty sassy. In, that, that's in, very in true. That group, yeah, there's which. a lot of sass in this movie. Uh, and number seven, like we said, we don't have a villain specifically in this movie, so we skip that. But number eight, slapstick, we get quite a bit of it. Uh, there is yeah. the sleigh chaos, the ri- reindeer riding, the bartender pratfall. There is much. The bartender pratfall was. I think that was the only. Oh, that was yeah. a bit rough. It was forced. It was very forced. Um, and, and at a point, I was like, oh, this is the kind of movie we're getting. But again, it just gives you little drops of that. And then our sage old person. I, in a way, I guess it's Santa, right? I guess so, because there is no sort of old people in it. Because everyone else is sort of like middle-aged or a child. And, and there's no sort of like, there is a, there is no sort of older person there um, right but santa does sort of... give advice he gives advice to the cop he gives advice to the kids so he i mean he does kind of serve that role which again is usually a double point when he does that so he does and he's also kind of non- non-judgmental he's sort of like when he leaves the prison he <laughs> looks at the cons cool. and he's all like just be good <laughs> I, I love that too he's like you know be good try to be good and like he knows they're not going and like I, like they all kind of look at him they're like you know we're not but okay santa like We'll tell you we are. It's just very honest. <laughs> well, how happy they looked with those instruments. I don't know. They might go off and form a convict band by the looks of it. True, so. true. Yeah, they really realize they uh, they have talents there. So, 
All right, and then Santa Claus, obviously. It's a Santa Claus movie. Yeah. Uh, into our bonus round, public domain holiday songs. We get so many. We get a lot. Um, we get, and also, like, I, lo- I love when they're acknowledged. So at one point, uh, they talk about the song, Oh, Christmas Tree, and the kids are like, that was Dad's favorite song. Really? Oh, Christmas Tree was your favorite song? Is Oh, Christmas Tree anybody's favorite song? It's, I, it's To me, it's kind of it's, a terrible song. In a traditional sort of song sense, I, I think it sort of scrapes in, like, the top five. But I think mm-hmm. most people are going to say, oh, we do, like, you know... 12 Days of Christmas, or We Wish You a Merry Christmas, something, something a little more uh, pumped yeah. to it than uh, Oh Christmas Tree. Uh, we also get, not public domain, but it is to me the definitive sad or exhausted Christmas song, which is, um, I don't know the full the name of the song, but it's Bells Will Be Ringing, Sad, <laughs> Sad Noon, or whatever the song is. Like You hear that in like one out of every five studio released Christmas movies usually has that song playing at some point and it's always used to establish like it's a sad or it's a mildly exhausted Christmas which is exactly how it's used here so uh, product placement there is most definitely some Netflix product placement in this Netflix movie did you catch it I'm trying to remember <laughs> I'm sure I, I did catch it it's there's Stranger Things reference there in is there? A, yes, a character is watching. It is the valet oh, yeah, at the parking garage. He is watching Stranger Things on his tablet. Yep. And I'm trying to remember what other product placement I saw, because I'm sure I saw something else. I think it was like a there's a, um, a drink placement. I think Dr. Pepper or something like that was in, mm, was I in there. I think you're right. Yeah, there's some soft drink that's like there's a couple of close-ups of. <laughs> well, and when the kids um, are eating their ice cream, I think like all of those, it's a lot of brand names, I think, in that scene. Yeah, because they they drive through the Santa sign and uh, he's sort of like, "Take that, fat man!" And oh we, yes, you're saying take that to yourself. It's, uh... <laughs> well, no, it's the it's the representation. Of oh, Santa, I suppose right. So. Santa is very in this universe is not fat and is kind of po'd that um, at some point in the fifties or the forties, whenever it was that those Coca Cola ads came out, that they suddenly turned Santa Claus into a fat man. He's never been able to shake that image. So yeah. And he's proud of the fact that he can eat millions of cookies in one night. I mean, who this wouldn't is his... I wish I could. But, you know, he, he talks about he's a Santa who goes to the gym and takes care of himself. And uh, there, is a, there is an obvious Mrs. Claus there who mm. keeps him in, in line. Oh, yeah. So. Hey, if that was your wife, then, you know, you've you got to look good for her. So it's, yeah. Uh, next, so Cloying Child. I think we both agree that, like, yeah, their kids are a little preco- or the girl's a little precocious, but she's really not anno- like she's she's good. I think she's she's right for the part and doesn't annoy me too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ice skating. I don't think we had any ice skating, which is disappointing. There is no because everything's too warm to go ice skating. Yes. <laughs> uh, Canadianisms. So here's the thing. I thought early on in the film that I heard like a really strong Canadian accent. At one point, I think it's in like the second scene when the kids are when um, the the boy is with his like teenage hooligan friends. I could have sworn I heard like in a boot. But then I'm watching the movie. I'm like, oh, they no, they filmed in Chicago. Like they probably filmed like Chris Columbus was a producer. They probably like actually filmed there. But then I watched the end credits all the way. And one of the end credits was for Canadian casting unit. So yes. therefore, there were some Canadian actors in this movie, and I heard their accents, so there was a Canadianism. 
Yeah, with the Canadian funding, you have to have one Canadian actor. Um, <laughs> Joe Dante will normally be Robert Picaro. <laughs> that's that's his go-to Canadian whenever he needs the Canadian dollars. So makes sense. Uh, character with a Christmas name? No, but we have like toy names, right? Teddy bear. It's oh god, that, like like Kitty Cat. Yeah, I can accept that. But it's sort of like oh, he's Teddy Bear. It's all that sounds so forced, and it's sort of like there is no way he would still be. That's the thing. Like that. That's one of those things where it's it's cute and totally believable for a four year old girl to call her older brother Teddy Bear, but it becomes odd when it's a 10 year old girl calling her 16 year old brother teddy bear so yeah um christmas tree lighting not like an official town christmas tree lighting but we do have decorations and we do have a christmas tree that's lit that wasn't lit before so i mean kind of uh and then lastly the uh karaoke round which in this case we kind of do have right we have a musical sequence that is very jailhouse rock-esque yeah we have uh, have uh, santa claus is back in town uh which mm-hmm. i said is our our white boy blues moment and yes. it's so over the top I love it. and i think the, the fact santa wears shades and he's only magically an instruments in that everyone knows how to play as we said at the start it's I think if anyone else, other than Kurt Russell and him, his raw charisma mm-hmm. had tried to do this, it would have seemed so horrible and forced. Yep. Um, but, I mean, I didn't know Kurt Russell had any sort of musical ability. Um, well, didn't he play Elvis? I don't know if he actually sang when he did it, but he did play Elvis in uh, the TV movie Elvis. From, and I want to say John Carpenter directed it. Let me make sure I'm not crazy. I am not crazy. Yeah, 1979. I think it was made for TV. Uh, Kurt Russell played Elvis in a John Carpenter-directed Elvis biopic. Which I've never seen, but apparently Shelley Winters is in it, so now I'm, I'm, I don't understand why I've never seen it. Well, this is the thing with Kurt Russell. He's con- I mean, he's been acting since he was a kid. Yep. Um... He could have caught the fugitive because he was in the fugitive. Um, he had a gun on him and everything. He was um, did his version of the tower, you know that documentary about the tower shooting. Okay. Um, he was in a TV movie about that as as well, and obviously the most of the stuff that we remember him for, we forget all like the Disney movies he did, like the t- computer wore tennis shoes and the world's strongest man. Um, and we sort of remember that sort of middle period when he was doing like Big Trouble in Little China and The Thing and mm-hmm. all that sort of good stuff. But no, his back catalog, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. As I said, you got things, he did like episodes of like Lost in Space and um, a lot of like uh, sort of those 70s TV shows like Gilligan's oh, yeah. Island and stuff. So. And I think it shows because he is, and um, it's funny, we were talking about this on the last episode with, with Jason. We were talking about actors that are just really comfortable on camera. And, I mean, Kurt Russell is a movie star, and Kurt Russell can really probably walk onto any set. He could probably be on a soap opera and fit in. I think he's just somebody that, that and this probably does come from being a, a kid actor and growing up in the business, that you can put him in anything, and he knows exactly how to play it. And that's, I think, what he does here, is he brings the exact right energy level to this performance to make this movie fun and to make it kind of memorable i'm always again i'm always surprised with kurt russell his his sheer range because no matter what you you put him in as you said he just seems to know how to play it like we'll put him in soldier and he's like largely mute for that movie 
mm-hmm. and he's perfectly perfectly cast. And then you look at something like uh, The Thing or Big Trouble in Little China, and he's sort of like the everyman character. And we go to his later movies like Bone Tomahawk, and now he's the authoritarian character. Um, he's like the sheriff of these these like Western pictures, and you're not questioning his sort of role, or even when he's doing something outlandish like playing Stuntman Mike, which is like an absolutely balls the wall sort of character. Um, he's still somehow managing to make these characters seem believable and convincing. And I often wonder if it's the fact that he's just lived such a grounded life. He's not like living this movie star existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. he's, when he's not filming, filming uh, things, he's just like, you know, he's just a family man. He likes steaks and hunting and mm-hmm. yeah, just everyday things. He's been with things. the same woman now for 30 years or so. Uh, and they've only just recently got married, which was... I didn't uh, realize they did. Which is which is surprising because you assume that they would have been married, but no, they. No, isn't that like been... the curse? Isn't that what happened when like Brad and Angelina finally did it and then they broke up? I thought you weren't supposed to get married if you haven't been married for all that time. I think after a while, I mean, maybe they just wanted like a reason to get the family together or something. Or, or Beverly was just like, "Oh, you and Goody have not been a while together." Or... <laughs> well, I will say <laughs> one benefit of being married in the states. I don't know if it's true in England, which I didn't know until. Um, after I got married and we happened to go rent a car and when we rented the car and my husband was going to be the one driving for the most part and the guy at the car rental place said oh are are you two married we said yes he's like oh you know you can drive too who knew secret benefit of marriage is that you can both drive a rental car without uh paying extra so maybe that's why they got married after all these years they finally decided to start saving money on car rentals (laughs) probably that's my um no, I can't think of any sort of benefits where we get to, like, discounts off rentals or anything like that. It's, <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah, there's there's probably something you don't know about, so. We're just, uh, in the sort of society where you have, you just have many options how you want to be married. You can have, like, a partnership, or you can be be married, or you, as a, or just, like, live together. I mean, we're pretty, we, we like to constantly invent new ways of being married, but not married over here, it seems, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, now, that do you think they'll do a sequel to this movie? I don't know how. Um, it's sort of like, how do you do the sequel? Oh, they screw up Christmas again. Oh, we've kind of done that movie. Um, the only sort of way I could see them doing a sequel is if you bring in another fantastical force, which means someone like, you know, like a Jack Frost or Ooh, okay. or some other sort of like a some other sort of characters. Not so much Krampus because Krampus is just basically Santa, but he just like as I said, he's just more extreme because he's Germanic. Mm. Uh, so he like where he kidnaps wicked children. But what if? Okay, I know what sequel I want to this movie, and considering Netflix after a Christmas Prince did well, they immediately set forth to do another Christmas Prince. I wouldn't be surprised if they were already started you know, planning or production for the Christmas Chronicles too. What I want is I want evil Santa played by Kurt Russell. I want something to happen, whether it's like Venom or, um, I don't know if he gets like doppelganged or there's an imposter or he has a long lost brother or something, but I want the next Christmas movie and the kids, you could keep the same kids or you can bring in different kids or no kids, whatever. It could just be Santa and the elves, but I want Kurt Russell playing dual parts in the next movie. Okay. I'm not sure how evil, how you would have an evil Santa work. Um, 
because everything I, I think of just is sort of already been done by Santa Claus the movie, so I kind of want John Lithgow to come back as an evil toy maker. Okay, he, into, he, uh, what if he's the uh, like head elf to evil Santa? Only he's really pulling. Or what if John Lithgow um, ends up like working for Santa, but really he's evil? He's trying to. I have I have a lot of theories. I should really hone down just, the best one. But I, I got my pitches. You know, I need to pitch different possibilities to Netflix when they come asking. I, I mean, I'm just obviously like running from my head now that you mentioned it. And as I said, it's either someone else starts screwing up Christmas. So as I said. Again, fantastical force, or um, Santa goes missing. Mm. So you have you have someone kidnap Santa because they want to have Christmas every day. So they, they okay. kidnap Santa, okay. and it's down to the kids that are recruited by the elves to go and track down uh, track down Santa, and uh, that's that's how they they do it. And they have to I don't know perhaps unite all the Santas of the world. So you'd have like Krampus, and there's a a Japanese monk who represents Santa who has eyes in the back of his head so he can see when children are being naughty. So oh, yeah, they go yeah. around the world, they, they assemble like the Avengers of Santas. Okay, I like to, it. To find where Santa is. That's That would be uh, a fun way. Uh, but then okay. again, I love any way we could work in Krampus. So. All right, I'm into it. Uh, th- it's going to be exciting because I can't imagine we're not going to get part two. And I really hope they go extreme. I like the idea of every variation of the Santa Claus myth. I'm with that. Uh, I just, as long as we still have Kurt Russell, I think we're going to be in good hands. I can see him coming back. Uh, I think I can see him coming back. Cause he clearly seemed to have enjoyed the role. It seems like And that, to yes. be doing a lighter affair than he's been doing doing recently. Um, I, I assume it's, must have, it's kind of an appeal. Um, mm-hmm. But... It's again. It's all going to fall down to, onto what? What are we hinging this on? Sure. Because whereas obviously with things like Christmas Prince and Christmas Cookies and all those sort of movies, you you can see if we tweak one element, then you know we can redo, we can right. redo the the thing. Whereas with this one, it's the humans being being yeah, involved yeah. have screwed up Santa's Christmas. It's not the fact that something else has gone gone wrong yeah there's not a template in place for this you really have to make another entirely new movie whereas anything else it's really just shuffling things around on your bingo board and you have one so we'll see uh i hope we get another one uh do you have any more parting thoughts on the christmas chronicles um i was surprised that the uh the the director of the angry bears movie (laughs) Was able to produce such a, a fun Christmas movie. Did I'm you not... see the Angry Birds movie? I didn't, but again, it's sort of like it's the Angry Birds movie. It's in sort of like, fairness, it's now I haven't seen the Angry Birds movie. I'm sure it's terrible. That's what everybody said. But in fairness, when we saw there was going to be a Lego movie, we all thought, "Why would you make a Lego movie? It's going to be stupid." And it turned out to be wonderful. So, just because it's an Angry Birds movie doesn't mean it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible because it's probably terrible, but I don't know that for sure. That's true. Um, I think the Lego movie, it made the smart decision of going down the Simpsons style of humour yes. and making everything very multi-level. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it certainly has got better the more that they've gone on. Like the Lego Batman movie was great and the Ninjago movie was great. And it didn't suffer with the same sort of pacing issues that uh, the Lego movie seemed to have. But then again, I mean, it was just establishing a world. It's And uh, that leap into the real world is a little surreal still, even. so True. 
Um, now I have to, I'm going to ask you a very important question before we leave, because I think, um, now you and I have had a good Christmas movie relationship, I think over the years, yes. right? We've definitely like introduced each other to Christmas movies. We watch Christmas evil together. Um, but really in the scheme of things, I have the privilege of saying I introduced you to the Nutcracker in 3D. That's true. Um, over on the the alarm, I was I was said it's you going to turn our recent Christmas vote into an attempt to draw more people into your cult of Nutcracker 3D right, into because... the weirdest, ter- most terrible, most bizarre Christmas movie of all time, the Nutcracker 3D from two thousand and nine, I think. Um, and the reason so I bring that up to ask you if you had to keep one movie in existence, the Christmas Chronicles or the Nutcracker in three D, which would it be? Oh God. Um, I think I'm going to really upset you here, but I'd say I'd take the Christmas Chronicles, and that's just purely because with Nutcracker and 3D, it was fun while it lasted, but I couldn't see myself going back to it because, as I said, the the real power of that movie lies in just the sheer what the hell is happening here, <laughs> shock value. Um, so once I've seen like your Nazi Rat King electrocute a shark once, I I. Fair enough. I don't know if it's going to have the same effect here. And the fact that there's less songs in Christmas Chronicles, I think, swings it as well. Fair. For that, I will uh, make sure that the song we hear at the end of the episode is from the Nutcracker in 3D. So there, everybody, take that. Uh, (laughs) And so in closing, everybody should go watch the Christmas Chronicles. I think you'll enjoy it. It's on Netflix. But also watch the Nutcracker in 3D. Um, Elwood, where can people find you? Um, currently, uh, I'm going to be returning to my blog from the Dexter DVD Hell, uh, hopefully in the new year. I've taken a little bit of a break because I've been over at thatmomentin.com doing projects for them, uh, in particular setting up the, the podcast network. So uh, podcast-wise, I've been very busy. I've uh, just recently established a podcast with my Game Warp co-host, Kim, uh, called Movies and Tea, where each season we work our way through the filmography of a different director. The first season we did Paul W.S. Anderson, and nice. the second season we're just sort of a few episodes into, we're looking at Guillermo del Toro. Very cool. And that um, you can find on iTunes, I assume? Yeah, that's on iTunes. It's on uh, it's on Stitcher. It's on Podomatic and Anchor. It's pretty much anywhere cool. good podcast friend. We're even on Spotify as well, which is really exciting. Um, you can also find me on the Asian Cinema Film Club, uh, which I do with Stephen from East St. Kicks and with the Ramblings. And there, there we're just, on a monthly basis, we're just, you know, providing an introduction to Asian cinema. We're removing a lot of the, the snobbish pretension of that, you have to be of a certain mind to enjoy Asian cinema. We're just looking at the weird and the wonderful as well as the art house and the classic and uh, sort of covering it all. Uh, we've got our second ever Kaiju Christmas coming up where we're going to be looking at Gamma Free Revenge of Iris uh, for on from last year's um, first ever Kaiju Christmas where we look to destroy our monsters. And uh, in the new year, we've already got several exciting movies sort of lined up already. And uh, I'm really excited to see where we're going to go with that season as well. So, very cool, very cool. Thank you for joining me uh, on oh, this very special, very special episode, as always. And for everybody, uh, come to Facebook. And because this is one that I think a lot of people watch, we definitely invite you all to share your thoughts um, and opinions and your ideas for a sequel and how we can incorporate more Court Russell in The Christmas Chronicles Part 2. Thank you, folks. Have a good night. Would you like to hear it?
sounds hard. Nein. The hardest thing in the world to understand is income tax. This is a piece of strudel. If you're with someone tall, truly vast, unsurpassed, built to last, they will think you're scared. <laughs> Never mind, after all, when you meet a petite, short and sweet, they will think you're tall. Up is down, take his in, in is out, whisper, shout, there's no doubt, it's all relative. Who's to say what is or is not? Who writes your plot? You do. Point of view is yeah. simply up to you is yeah. how your dreams come true is yeah. as real as yeah. for you. This is that, these are those, what is real, what's ideal, what to feel, no one really knows. Fantasy comes and goes, black is white, day is night, so you might turn your highs to lows. If you think positive. In open mind, you will find life is kind. It's all relative. Except relative. What oh. makes relative? Us oh. what? Relative. Oh.